Welcome to Beginner Women, a podcast where we throw out our adult agendas and focus on what it takes to shape a new future for girls and young women. From education and career to health and wealth, we talk to experts, thought leaders, and extraordinary women who will challenge the way you think about girls, women, and ambition. Here's your host, Katherine Cornfield. Welcome to Beginner Women. I'm Katherine Cornfield, founder of Ambitious, and that's Ambitious with a She, where we take a unique approach to leadership and career development. We've helped hundreds of girls and young women to develop autonomy, agency, and purpose by equipping them with the critical skills and knowledge they need to thrive today and in tomorrow's world. We started this podcast because we know how important everyday role models are, and we want to empower you, parents, educators, and other caring adults with smart, actionable strategies to help the beginner women in your lives reach their full potential. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, I am super excited to be joined in the studio by Ottawa-based Jean-Philippe Michel, founder of SparkPath, a company focused on helping young people create extraordinary careers by exploring the real-world challenges that inspire them. I have been a big fan of JP's work for a a long time, and I'm busting with questions, and I actually am totally confident that he and I will have a lot to talk about. JP is on a mission to change the way we prepare young people for their careers through coaching, programming, and innovative career tools. He is the creator of the Challenge Mindset, the Challenge Program, and the Challenge Cards, all designed to help the next generation discover how they can make a real and unique contribution to the world. With a background in human resources consulting, JP has leveraged his experience as a coach and trainer to more than 500 high-performing leaders in some of the world's largest organizations to create SparkPath, where he does career and leadership development for young people and leaders. Obviously, we have lots to talk about. JP has a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology and is the recipient of the 2017 Outstanding Career Professional Award from the Career Professionals of Canada. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me here today in studio. My pleasure. What a nice intro. I'm very happy to be here. Well, it's all true. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So at Beginner Women, we want to equip parents, educators, and other real-life role models to help girls and young women reach their full potential. So like I said, I'm confident that you will bring some very interesting insight to bear uh, based on your work with young people. So today we're going to dig into some really interesting stuff around career and leadership development around education choices, and about the value of what you like to call the challenge mindset. So before we do, I'm going to jump in a little bit around you and your background. You've chosen to make a career out of careers. So can you tell us why? Career out of careers, that sounds funny, doesn't it? (laughs) It sounds interesting. I just had a unique um, opportunity to watch other people's careers develop because of the nature of my job. I'll explain. I was a consultant looking at how so many high-performing individuals were transitioning into a completely new job, the job of a leader. So one classic example is someone who's really good as an engineer. They're so good that eventually their boss asked them, can you be the leader of the team? And that's a completely different job. And I got to work with those people in a couple different ways. One, to help assess their skills. So um, in my past work, I used to put people through leadership simulations. So they would spend eight hours a day in the life of a leader where they would have meetings with actors that were their staff, their employees, their colleagues, their boss, their clients. 
Uh, they would answer emails. They'd make uh, business plan presentations. And then a, a team in the background would assess their uh, biggest strengths and their biggest opportunities for development. So I got to watch some people uh, that excelled in the assessment and some people that did very, very poorly because it was their first time. So uh, that was one of the ways that I helped. And the second way was to coach them. Now that they had their results, how do they want to use that data to improve? Uh, they know their strengths. They know their opportunities for development. And now what can I do to, to get better? So I got to listen to all these stories of people in so many different industries and so many different companies making those uh, transitions in their careers. And that's when I guess I started my journey of making a career out of other people's careers. That is so cool. A leadership simulation followed by coaching to address what you've learned from that data. That is not something I've heard of, I'll admit. So that's pretty cool just knowing that exists. So what then prompted the switch from that, which is clearly very interesting and impactful work with leaders or newly minted leaders, into working with young people before even they've started down their career paths? What, what was the, how did you make that switch and why? My first job out of university I worked for a small company in Ottawa called André Filion Associates. And that's where I met two people, uh, Maureen McCann and Wayne Pagani. Maureen and Wayne were entrepreneurs because our company hired them as contractors. At the time, Dell uh, had a huge call center in Ottawa, and they laid off, I think, almost 500 people. So our firm was tasked with helping those people find new jobs. And uh, Wayne and Maureen did exactly that. And I looked at Wayne and Maureen, and I said, wow, you guys have your own business, your entrepreneurs. This looks amazing. I want to do that. But I was much too young to be uh, an executive coach, right? I was 23 at the time. So I said, okay, I'll start a different business. I'll start a business where I help high school students transition to university. I really enjoyed my university experience and I uh, enjoyed finding all the hacks to be successful and to get the grades and to meet the right teachers. And I wanted to share that knowledge with high school students. I also had a job at the University of Ottawa where I worked at the administration and helped people sign up for their courses. So I knew all these hacks. So I would go into high schools and do these presentations for students to help them set them up for the next year. Uh, I had fun. Guidance counselors liked me because I made their job easier, uh, but it was a terrible business idea. <laughs> Here was my business model. Give a pamphlet to a teen and hope that they can sell their parents on working with me. Do not try this at home. But one day something happened. A mother called me and said, my daughter is in grade 11. She's not yet going to university, but she doesn't know what to do in university. Can you help her with that? So uh, I did. I, I did a program. We met five times. And um, I helped that young woman learn more about herself, the world of work, and the education program that would help her. And here's what her mom said at the end. You'll never understand the impact that you had on my daughter. And I heard that. I said, whoa. You know, it shook me. It was powerful. It's like, oh, maybe I did have a positive impact here. Uh, the mom also was so um, happy with the results that she said, I want to support you. I was going out to do my master's. She said, I want to support you and your master's, what you're doing. And I thought, wow, like this, this might mean something. So what I did was all the while I was consulting, I kept growing this business, uh, working directly with students to help them reach their potential. And the name of the company is SparkPath. So 2009 was the first time I worked with a student, and I kept growing it piece by piece. Um, went to school in Manchester in the UK uh, and developed some of my ideas there. I came back and worked in Montreal for two years and actually saw clients. 
kept building it when I was in Pittsburgh in the U.S. Now I was uh, working uh, out of the head office of the company I was working for in the U.S. And in, in January 2016, that's when I decided I was going to do SparkPath full time. Oh, okay. So quit my job. So bootstrap for the first part exactly. and quit your job in 2016 and now you're full on in. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. At Ambitious, we actually make a point of positioning girls and young women really early for economic independence. Um, one of the ways is through entrepreneurship. You're a business owner and an entrepreneur, as you've said. Um, and SparkPath isn't exactly your average career coaching business. As you've said, you've tried some different things and you've kind of arrived through the process of learning, which is what entrepreneurs do. Um, and you've quite created something very different with SparkPath through the challenge approach, which encompasses several things we'll get to. But before we get to the like the activities or the things that you do as within the challenge approach, tell us sort of big picture, what that means, the challenge approach, the challenge mindset, what that means to you. I'll tell you where that word comes from. It's because of a huge problem I was running into. A lot of the students I was working with were stuck thinking about job titles. They felt very anxious at the age of 16, 17, because they hadn't picked one job title that they would have for the rest of their lives. And, uh, are um, the environment, you're talking about parents and educators, right? You want them to listen to this message. We are partly to blame for this anxiety. Here's why. We ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yes. Yeah. The answer to that question, despite our good intentions, is a job title. So students, what they understand from that is that I need to have it figured out. I need to have a job title in mind and I'm going to hold it for the rest of my life. This is not true for 95% of the students that uh, we try to help. The question is just causing more anxiety. Instead of asking them what uh, they want to be when they grow up, we should ask them what problems they want to solve mm-hmm. and what they need to learn to be able to do that. What I just said is a quote from Jamie Kassap, Google um, education evangelist. He said this, I saw this on Twitter and I looked at his videos and I said, Jamie's right. That's exactly what we need to do. And I'll tell you why later. But I already started asking these questions to the students I was helping. I said, what's the problem that you want to solve? They had no idea how to answer. We haven't (laughs) taught kids how to think about careers that way. And I thought the hack for this was quite straightforward. All I had to do was show them what are the problems, challenges, and opportunities that they could work on. And that's when I created the challenge cards. Aha. Okay. So that's, uh, that's interesting. I'm absolutely convinced I've heard the same quote. I didn't know it was Jamie Kassap from Google. Um, And it's eerie, actually, how similar that, uh, you know, your description of the challenges uh, and opportunities in the world uh, being a path forward for young people is to the way uh, ambitious approaches um, the sort of entrepreneurial education of young girls. It's not so much that we're trying to create mini tycoons and and have everybody grow the biggest business ever. It's really about using the entrepreneurial skill set to be able to identify problems um, and then turn them into opportunities. And so we frame po- problems differently than than you would, but similar in philosophy. So tell me then what the challenge cards are per se. Like what does what does that actually, what, for people who haven't heard of the spark sure. path or the challenge cards, tell us what they are. Well, we want to change the way we prepare young people for their future. And to do that, I created this unique tool called the challenge cards. I'll tell the listeners what they look like. These large cards above the size of playing cards, they're much larger in different colors. And they all feature different problems, challenges, and opportunities. There are 29 of them. One of them, for example, would be redesign the healthcare system. 
So just as I gave it to you, would you be willing to do the exercise? I, I would. Absolutely. I'm looking at these cards just for our listeners. They are very bright and colorful. They are visualizing various problems with some really cool graphics. And then on the back, there's some interesting leads, it would seem. So yes, I would be willing. I have a challenge of my own in mind already, but let's play. Step one, you'll take the deck and you'll separate into three piles. The challenges that you're uh, not interested in, interested in, or very interested in. So while you're doing that, I'll tell the listeners at home that um, each card has a, an image, a visual representing the challenge. Um, Catherine just put down uh, improve mental health. Um, we also have a card around preparing future leaders, which I'm not surprised if that's one of the cards that you <laughs> I've got a, a collection building here. And what's impressed me the most when students do this is that every student will find cards that they're interested in, regardless of their level of motivation, their interest in academics or where they're from, where they're going. Uh, it resonates because uh, it's just easy to do. Is there such a thing as too many cards? Because I have a big pile started here. No. Which one's your big pile? This is my big pile. The rest is like, I know I'm supposed to do three. Yes, you did. You did it great. For the listeners, I got a little distracted by the pile of, that I liked. I'm okay. The next step for you, you probably have about 10 cards in your hand. Would you be willing to pick your top three oh, out of that pile? That's hard. Yeah, it's hard. And this gets fun as a parent or a teacher because you get to have some discussions and you may be encouraging them to read on the back. On the back of each card, they can read about the background. They can read about the opportunity. They can even see some jobs that could help let them contribute right away to the challenge they care about. Okay, three? I'm at five. I've, I've narrowed down to five. I'm okay. I'm not going to judge. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to judge. All right, five. So here's what happens next. Um, the, the teacher could be saying, well, why did you pick that specific card? Give us one example of a card you picked. Just one card? Okay, well, for all the folks out there who are familiar with Ambitious, it probably won't be surprising to, see, to hear that I picked Preparing Future Leaders as one surprised. of my top five cards. I'm not surprised. And I love listening to people's choices because as soon as there's an explanation, you start to hear about people's values, their interests, some of their past experiences. It's a really cool way to get to know people. Okay, so next on my uh, is next step, or do I keep going with my cards? Well, I'll, I'll just, give you, just give you some ideas about how people use them. So in schools, a teacher might say, well, what skills do you have that could help foster understanding and respect, which is another one of the cards that you chose? Um, they could ask you, well, why did you pick this card? What does it mean to you? What difference do you want to make in the world? Mm -hmm. Let's say that eventually we land on one that you want to have a particular focus on, Let's say that you pick distribute the wealth. Well, the next step will be for me to say, okay, well, let me show you how to find companies that are working on that now. Who are the people that work there? What were their career paths? What did they study to be able to do that? So it's a starting point for exploration. It is. Yeah. And, uh, in a way, it's flipping the model of career development. Yeah. Because currently what we say is, okay, you're in high school. What's your favorite class? Yeah. Okay. Maybe you like math. So based on that, well... If you like math, you should study accounting in university. Oh, that drives me nuts. Yeah. Because it, it forms identity around a subject area rather than a purpose. Yeah. yeah. And this person's then led to think, okay, well, I'll get a job as an accountant. Uh, an accounting firm will hire me. And then maybe later, when they're 27 or 31, they'll realize, well, what's the problem I'm trying to solve as an accountant? Maybe I'm helping my clients be more fiscally transparent. Maybe I'm helping them collect better financial data so they make better decisions. And maybe I love that. Or maybe I hate it. <laughs> we all know people that it's happened yeah, yeah. to. Career crisis. Yeah. Midlife. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 30s, 
early 30s, restlessness, 40s, career crisis, midlife. Yes. Yeah. My hypothesis is that young people uh, have intuition. They have ideas. They have values. Show them problems to solve first and then let them work backwards to find out how to get there. I knew we'd get along. That's exactly the same way I see young people. So I, uh, I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm going to actually share my cards uh, for the listeners very briefly, uh, just so you get a flavor. And then uh, I'm going to ask you, because I think these cards actually add up to the challenge that I am working on uh, through Ambitious and through the Beginner Women podcast. Great. So uh, preparing future leaders, fostering understanding and respect, solving new challenges through entrepreneurship, building the school of the future and distributing the wealth. Those were the ones that I picked. And um, so now if I were able to make up my own card, is that possible? I like that idea. Okay. Yeah. I like making up your own card because the cards are not meant to be a dictionary of the available challenges in the world. They're meant to quickly change people's minds about how to look at their careers. I want students to do this for two minutes and then for the rest of their lives, they will no longer be fixated in the job title mindset. Now, all of a sudden, they're looking for problems, challenges, and opportunities. I'll give you an example before you tell me yours. When I first started doing this, sometimes students would raise their hand and say, hey, you forgot one. And then I was ashamed. I couldn't believe all the research I had done. I consulted with futurists and read books and blogs, and I read, and, and you know, I thought I had a good distribution. But it turns out that they were right. And also, it turns out that that's the point. What I mean is, the point is not for me to show them, you know, exactly the challenge that they work on for the rest of their lives. The point is for me to transform their mindset so that for forever, from that point on, they will look for challenges, problems, and opportunities to work on. You're already doing this. You're on a mission, aren't you? Very much. Yeah. Ambitious, which is leadership and career development initiative focused specifically on girls and young women, is my challenge. It's the manifestation of whatever the combination of those cards would be. It is. And I through that, I do the Startup Self program, which is a program targeted to girls and young women that teaches entrepreneurship. But it really it's about framing problems and giving them the skills and knowledge to solve them, specifically uh, financial, digital and civic literacy. Uh, but also through beginner women, which is uh, having these kinds of conversations with people who can uh, help parents and educators and um, and other caring adults uh, and role models to support the young women in their lives. So uh, so after many, many years of lived experience uh, as a person following a career path, as a person who primarily was advising uh, leaders and executives and decision makers like you, and as a parent, the problem that that kept persisting for me is the the gender gap in leadership and in particular the type of leadership where where people are making decisions that affect the world i guess my question or my card you could say would be how is it that or how might we collectively better prepare more girls and young women so that there are more female leaders and decision makers especially given the future of work because i i, I believe I'm someone who believes that the narrative, and we've talked about this before, the narrative around girls and self-confidence does a disservice. I think that the confidence crisis has become kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And unless we stop, we collectively stop believing girls and young women lack self-confidence and start seeing the seeing them as powerful and promising um, and sort of beginner women, that will never close that gap. So that is in a nutshell, 
in my best way of articulating the challenge that that ambitious is has been created to address. And I guess given that I just made up the card, but it, I haven't made it up. I've been working on it for five years. I wanted to ask you that specifically. You've chosen a powerful challenge. How yes. long did it take you to get there? It took me quite a while to get there. I've been working on this for five years. Ambitious is, uh, I, my first pilot was in 2015. Mm. Uh, and that was like in parallel with career chapter four for me. So there's a long backstory there we don't have time for today. Um, but it was really the convergence of circumstances uh, and life experience and uh, being a parent that, that, that all sort of happened at once. And my eyes opened to this challenge that, doesn't seem to go away. Doesn't matter what we do, how we teach, um, what we teach. It seems that uh, there remains a clear and persistent gender gap in leadership, whether it's elected office or corporate Canada or even entrepreneurship, right? Women aren't, they're creating lots of businesses, but they're not growing as fast. They're not getting as much uh, venture capital or investment or ca access to capital period. So it doesn't matter what domain you're in, there's a clear and persistent gender gap. So that started to bug me. Mm. And um, that's where the challenge emerged. And I have been working in and around that issue for five years. It's great to listen to you because now I'm learning about who you are through the challenge that you want to work on. And now I have to include part of my personality. This is how I like to talk to people at parties. Bring the cards to the party. Don't always bring the cards to the party. But that's what I want to listen to you yeah. talk about on a Saturday night. So at some parties, I'm a huge hit. I'm some parties, I'm really not. You fall flat? I fall flat. <laughs> because these are the types of conversations I want to have. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, I love listening to your energy, your drive, your convictions. And to bring that back to a teenager, they won't have as much experience, lived experiences as you had. But what if we could Build, start building some of that energy so that they could start working towards problems and convictions that are important to them. Mm -hmm. And then imagine what it's like to go to school when you understand I'm here to learn something that's going to help me work on a challenge I care about. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as just going to university, just going to college, just going to your high school class because you have to. You're going with a purpose. And I think that makes a big difference. So do I completely. And uh I think it, it's the thing that I hear a lot because I'm a little later in my career than you are. The thing that I hear a lot, uh, particularly from women, is I wish I'd have known. Hmm. You must hear that, too. Yes. But I wish I'd have had this mindset, this lens, this this perspective much earlier because my choices would have been different. It's it's not always laden with regret, but it's it's and I, I would say it's actually rarely laden with regret, but it's more about how, it, how is it that we, with the experience, uh, translate that and equip young people and empower them to not make the same mistakes, not that they're mistakes, you know? So I guess that leads me to the next question, which is, uh, what, what can you tell us about, you know, based on your experience, cause I know there's the challenge cards and then you have a program and you do individual coaching and so on. What can you tell us about the career ambitions of young people in general? And is there a difference in your experience without generalizing, but in your experience, is there a difference between the career ambitions of uh, young women and young men? It's a good question. I feel lucky because I got a chance to work so closely with young women through SparkPath and as a consultant with all of these leaders, uh, both men and women. Mm -hmm. but I got to hear so many stories and I'll share one with you now. Um, 
one student that I helped, her name uh, is Anna, and I'm allowed to share her name, by the way, Good. because she's in, she's finishing college now. She's a pretty special case because when we worked together, she was at that age where she was trying to figure out, well, what should I study uh, in college? This was back when I was in Pittsburgh, so they use the word college. It's just like we say university. And uh, we use the challenge mindset. And uh, the way we looked for challenges before I had the challenge cards was that I gave her a copy of a magazine. The magazine's called The Economist. And I said, pick your favorite article. So she picked an article with uh, a picture of a special type of algae, uh, like a green algae in water that was being used to clean polluted waterways. And we both thought, wow, that's a cool challenge to work on. Yeah. So we did some digging. And just like I told you earlier about flipping the model, we looked at, well, what's the company that's currently working on this algae? And they were called Hypertrophic. We quickly found them online, read their website a little bit. We looked at, well, who are the people that work there? Now we flipped to a website called LinkedIn.com, which the way I explain it to high school students, it's like a business Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's new to them, isn't it? Absolutely. They're not that yeah. familiar with LinkedIn. Yeah. Even if they are familiar with Facebook in the first place. That's yeah. Well, that's another issue. And exactly. and they might go, uh, really? Exactly. Facebook? Link for, for careers? But okay. the key concept for them is profiles. So yeah. now that we have all these people's profiles that were working for hypertrophic, creating this special type of algae, we got to see, well, what were their career paths? And then you learn about movement and traction and careers and things change. And then we went all the way down to look at what they had studied. And it turns out that a lot of people at that company had studied materials science and engineering, huh. which is a degree that I had never heard of and I had never heard of either. We both discovered through the challenge approach, the challenge mindset. Uh, Anna decided to study materials science and engineering. And uh, she went to Penn State, which was a school close to Pittsburgh where she lived. Uh, and she lived that transformation that I was telling you about earlier because now what she does is she consistently looks for problems, challenges, and opportunities in her environment. In her second year, she became the leader in a lab, in a research lab, um, that was looking to solve specific problems related to material science and engineering. We email back and forth. Every year she sends me an update of all the wonderful things that she's doing, and really the list is too long, but I'll tell she did an internship at Stanford. She's doing another internship at Berkeley, and she's thinking about where she'll go to graduate school to continue her studies. But for me, she's a prime example of an ambitious young person that was broken free from this job title mindset. I think the job title mindset on its own is a huge issue, but I know that you like thinking about gender as well. So let's add a gender lens to that. Would you agree with me that we have stereotypes in popular culture about certain job titles associated with certain uh, genders? Absolutely. I think so, too. Yeah, there's uh, stereotypes and then there's also fields, swaths of the economy where there is underrepresentation. And then there's, of course, the leadership gap, which is which is where I started. So, yes, absolutely. Because I was in the UK for my master's, I followed the British Psychological Society. They have our research digest um, and they have good research on gender and careers. And uh, one of the topics that I saw recently was the difference between uh, using the words doing science and being a scientist. It turns out that if you say, uh, are you interested in doing science, the amount of people interested is dramatically higher than if you say, are you interested in being a scientist? And to me, this is my what my mission is, right? It's the yeah. challenge mindset in action. It's about the problem that you're trying to solve and how science will help. It's not about the traditional position of scientist. Uh, and for me, Anna is a great example of someone who 
broke free from the shackles of uh, having a job title mindset. The, the problem slash challenge mindset that's really focused on making change, frankly, having impact and then figuring out sort of uh, reverse engineering how you're going to create that impact. And uh, again, that's fairly consistent with the with the ambitious and the startup self approach. I think where I would add that gender lens is when Anna enters into the workforce and ends up in her first three to five or, or seven years and it begins to get interested in career advancement, right? M- moving up into the middle management and ultimately into senior management, if that's her ambition, um, and and being able to uh, leverage impact within her organization and even outside that organization in, into communities and society. And I think where we would add and where Ambitious would add to that in terms of advice is follow the money, like understand within your organization, differentiate first between personal and professional financial literacy within that organization, understand where money flows, what what the decisions are and who's making those decisions. So really know the business you're in, increase, boost financial literacy from from the point of view of the business you're in uh, and then go Again, with that mindset to try something new, not necessarily get stuck in a food chain that's expert, right? And move around within the organization to to acquire experience and breadth around places where metrics and money are core to the decision making. So that at, at a certain point, you have the mindset and the behaviors and the competencies, but you also have the hard skills uh, around business and business decision decision making. That's interesting to me because I didn't know you were going to tell that story. But um, when you were working, I'm sort of zooming back here. When you were working with executives who are making that transition from subject matter expert, like the engineer you talked about, to leader, was there any emphasis around those things, like in terms of their training? I did at one point partner with um, an excellent business acumen organization that would teach financial literacy. It was for a company called uh, Keurig Green Mountain. You might recognize them because they do K-Cups. They're based out of Boston. And um, the training was interesting for leaders because it helped them understand the basics of, uh, you know, uh, financial statements, which is something that they don't often get a chance to do. Imagine if Anna uh, gets promoted to a senior leadership role, eventually, if she wants to, she will. Um, There was no training around, uh, uh, you know, a balance sheet during her undergraduate in material science and engineering. This is something that she'll need to learn along the way. What I hope to have um, started in Anna is this idea of I can anticipate and understand how my organization works by looking at the problems that we're trying to solve externally, looking at the challenges that we have internally, and progressing in that way. In that way, she can anticipate change with enthusiasm. Right? Because you get to change, upgrade, update your career based on the more you learn, the more you like things, the more you can go towards that. And it turns out for some people, leadership is not it. That was not fun. I tried it, didn't like yeah. it. Or the financial side is not it. But for me, it's this side or it's that side or that side. And they get to grow their career as they move along. Again, that's why when you're 16, you don't need to get locked into one job title for the rest of your life. You're going to do a lot of learning along the way. Part of the philosophy of ambitious, uh, is again, around economic indefe- independence of, of girls and young women, because, uh, you know, the outcomes are different for women with money. And um, the 
it's really that uh, money, business, and politics are the levers in society, and they don't really change. There might be AI and automation and all those things, but we're still exchanging value. We are still um, earning a living one way or the other, and we are still uh, hopefully working within a political framework where there's influence that can be uh, exerted as individuals and as organizations and as leaders. So it's an interesting mesh in that, that the challenge is very, very explicitly oriented on mindset as a way to drive that discovery and exploration. And that is embedded, I think, in, in what we're doing with Ambitious. But we're sort of, I think, complementing that with the, with the hard skills around money, business, and politics, because those are you know, they, they're, they offer traction in, in career, but they're the tools for change too. It's great that you do that. Another thing that resonates, I think is, um, use the word entrepreneurship. Um, there is an entrepreneurial approach or mindset that goes along with this because entrepreneurs are known for doing that, solving problems that exist that they find, or they have a unique take on. I think that mindset and those skills that you're teaching are important regardless of whether or not someone ends up becoming an entrepreneur or another term is an intrapreneur, which is someone who uh, takes on an entrepreneurial project within an organization. I think it's the, those types of skills will be more important in the future of work than they have been in the past. In the past, we have had paths where you following and being obedient and listening to what you have to do was important. That's going to become less and less important. You're going to have to figure out a lot of this stuff on your own. And that's why thinking like an entrepreneur really helps. So we agree. Let's uh, let's just um, from there shift slightly to back towards the role of parents and educators. I saw um, on LinkedIn because, of course, we're grown ups, so we're there uh, recently that you you posted that classic conundrum. So there was a young woman you were advising who was gifted in both the arts and the sciences uh, and was um, you know, confronting that looming choice about uh, what direction, what what path to choose academically in terms of her educational choices. And you kind of crowdsourced the question, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and I guess my th- that's a question that a lot of parents are faced with. My daughter's 16, as I said from the outset. She's she's into that mode. We've already done the tool, tour of post-secondary schools, and she's going to be making those choices next year. Similar, both interested both in lines of interest, not wanting to choose. Um, what what advice do you have for parents like me and like others who whose daughters are really at that juncture? How do you help as a parent as opposed to hinder? It's a great question. Uh, I've met so many parents who are very helpful at this stage with their teens, but they also feel stuck and frustrated because they're not getting the help that they want to make these mm-hmm. really important life decisions. And um, I think the best word to describe them would be empowering parents because they understand something that not everybody understands. It's that that young person needs to decide. That's where everything starts. Because you and I have said that entrepreneurial skills are important, independence is important, self-reliance is important, now's a great time to start to practice. There is a temptation there as a parent to want to do as much as you can to direct and steer But you really have to take more of the role of a coach to let them figure things out. And it's not always easy to do because we really want to help our kids thrive. Sometimes when people hear about SparkPath, they say, well, how does it work? What happens if you have a parent that says, I want my daughter to be a doctor? What do you go out and do? And my answer is very easy. Those parents don't call me. There's probably something that you understood when I crowdsourced the question because 
I do have an expertise in the area and I have ideas, but ultimately the choice is up to her. She's going to get to decide. And one of the roles I can play is to show her how to collect a lot of data points, which I'm really grateful because my LinkedIn network was very willing to participate, yeah. to share perspectives, unique lived experiences from people who had chosen the humanities, chosen the STEM side. So it's adding more information. I have to help her now uh, go through that to understand more of it. Yeah. I do want to tell you about one other person that we talked to specifically about that. We connected this young person that I'm working with now with somebody who also thrives in both the humanities and STEM. Her name is Christine Corbett Moran. She is one of the people that I admire the most because of her ambition. Uh, her story, we'll look to it online. She wants to become an astronaut. And she's hey. currently working for NASA. And she started at MIT by studying philosophy, which is that humanities side and then changed, okay? And ultimately, she did a PhD in physics. And uh, I met her at a conference, sort of a chance encounter. She participated in a, in a group that I was facilitating, and she really left an impression on me for how quickly she understood what we were trying to do. We were doing some crazy stuff around the future of food yeah. and uh, something called entomophagy, which is the consumption of insects that happens. Yes, I've even heard of that. You've heard of that. It happens everywhere except in places like here, yeah. We're way too rich to think about it. Yes, I have heard of that. Yeah, so yes. but Christine understood really quickly, and she really impressed me, and I stayed um, connected with her and followed her story. And um, what, what I did with the high school student is we did an informational interview, which means reaching out to someone to learn more about what they're doing, how they yeah. did it, to ask for advice. And um, Christine's very busy, so she did it. Um, she's a new mom as well. And she did it uh, through new video. New mom slash astronaut. New mom slash future astronaut. I think Christine said, she said publicly that if she were to go on a mission to Mars and never come back, she would do it. So she's a really, really special person. So she sent us a video, was answering all of our questions. And that's where we started the reflection process because we reverse engineered the problems that she wanted to work on. And eventually we landed as Christine as a good source of information for her to learn more. And now this LinkedIn conversation is just a follow-up to get even more depth into some specific awesome. areas. Awesome. Well, it's not the first time I've seen uh, crowdsourcing of uh, options. It's the first time that I've seen it done that way. I have seen in my own feeds, moms and dads, um, and even sometimes teachers, but mostly moms and dads who do take that that approach that's a little bit more hands-on and a little bit more agenda-driven than um, nurturing the interests and ambitions and agenda of their young person, right? So um, I, I, I thought you had a method to your madness there, and I'm not at all surprised. And I'm going to find the link on uh, Christine Moran, too, because what a great example of somebody who cuts across, yeah. doesn't get hung up on job titles, and uh, provides a really great role model. So with that, I am going to wrap us up. And thank you very, very much for coming today, for sharing the cards and the story. And, uh, well, all of the stories, uh, including yours. Thank you. So uh, I'm hoping that we will continue this conversation offline because clearly we have, uh, we, we share a lot of uh, common, I think, uh, perspectives on, on young people and on the future for young people and on how to equip them um, to thrive. So thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. And thank you for the work that you do. It's very important. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on Beginner Women, a show where we throw out our adult agendas to shape a new future for girls. 
Check out our show notes for the resources we talked about in today's episode and for the actionable insights you can use to nurture and empower the girls you know. If you like what you hear on our show, write us a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe wherever you find your favorite shows. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Ambitious. That's A-M-B-I-S-H-E-O-U-S. 